Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for The Way, Way Back. Duncan, on a scale of one to 10, what do you think you are? A six. I think you're a three. Since I've been dating your mom, I don't see you putting yourself out there, bud. You can try to get that score up at my beach house this summer. Who's this in all his awkward glory? This is my son, Duncan. I was going to name my youngest Duncan, but we went with Peter. Finally, fixed his lazy eye. Now it's even worse. Boop, boop. Mom. Just stare at the bridge of his nose. That's what I do. You're the worst parent. There's a message in the skies and in the streets. Heads up, buddy. You need to wear that. Mom, why do I have to wear this? Nobody else does. Sexier, huh? Something like that. It's like spring break for adults. This is Joan and Kip. I'm the one who's not grinding on you right now. <laughs> Enjoy therapy. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You're having way too much fun. It's making everyone uncomfortable. Wow. I'm just kidding. That wasn't even my best stuff. Come on. Just hold there for a sec. This guy's an artist. Watch and learn. And you are holding. Still holding. Just about ready to hold. You think it's over now. Well, I need you to reorder more mats. Did it? Finish the work schedule for next week. Did it? So you know I'm going to check all that stuff, right? Oh, in that case, I didn't do any of that. How do you make more money than I do? That's the one you wait for, my man. It's not I need somebody to do some odd jobs, clean up some vomit. Definitely. Does your mom know you work here? Who's that big guy? Is this a girl? What are you doing over here talking to us? Well, maybe, Roddy, if you guys hadn't called me over here. Oh. <laughs> Please let your lady friend know that this conversation was entirely about her. Where have you been? Nor. It's a long time to be nowhere. Well, that's where I was. Duncan. If we were going to make this work, then there has to be trust. Mom's boyfriend called me a three. Who says that to somebody? That's about him. That's got nothing to do with you. How do you know? Because I know. You got to go your own way. And you, my friend, are going your own way. This is the only place I'm happy. My doctor said not to get water on my face. <laughs> Got a hell of a kid here. Hold, please. Hold. Hold there. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Jeff LeBrett from Entertainment Weekly. And tonight's guests, Anna Sophia Robb, Nat Faxon, Jim Rash, and Liam James. Thank you for coming out. My name is Jeff LeBrett from Entertainment Weekly. You just watched a trailer for The Way, Way Back. Um, interesting, interesting film. Uh, premiered at Sundance in January and uh, was one of the big films coming out of that and it's opening up on July 5th. Um, I'm looking at some of the faces in the audience and there might be people here that don't know what the title refers to. Um, if you were born before, or I'm sorry, after 1985, and have never been in the back of a station wagon, you might not know what it refers to. Jim, would you like to explain? Well, yes, obviously the, uh, the way, way back pertains to that very back seat in an old station wagon. 
uh, that pretty much faces the back. It's sort of an ill-conceived sort of seat where a, a child is at danger watching the, <laughs> the traffic come at you. Uh, they didn't have seat belts in those either back then. Uh, they, um, you might find them in some newer cars with seat belts, but yeah, that's what it pertains to. But it also pertains to uh, Liam James' character Duncan and Tony Collette's character Pam, mother and son, sort of finding their way back to each other as well. Now, what was the kernel, I guess, that everything kind of grew out of? I mean, there's, the film seems like an homage to the films that I knew uh, in the early 80s, kind of, um, you know, films like, uh, films like Meatballs that were kind of coming-of-age stories, but what was the starting point for you in that? Well, this, a little bit of a few things. The very one autobiographical moment is the very first scene. You see a little bit in the trailer where Steve Carell's character, Trent, is... Uh, plays Tony Collette's new boyfriend, and she asks uh, Duncan what he thinks he is on a scale from one to 10, and Duncan says six, and then he says, I think you're a three, and goes on to explain why. That actual scene, uh, that is verbatim from what happened to me when I was 14 in a station wagon as I traveled with my stepfather at the time uh, to our summer destination. We used to go from North Carolina up to Lake Charlevoix, Michigan every year. And that was the conversation we had our second year going because he felt like I hadn't um, taken advantage of the lake and all the people there and gotten out of the lake house, that kind of thing. And, um, and then that coupled with uh, a love of water parks growing up and going to them. Plus, we're both on the East Coast. And that sort of destination vacation type of thing was something we grew up in where you would go to the same location that, that had a tendency not to change, but you met these people every year, you know, and sort of that community of characters to us was very intriguing. So all that sort of combined to make this coming-of-age story, yeah. Now, you both had won an Oscar for co-writing The Descendants, but this was a script that was on your plate, I guess, even before that. Um, how long had you been working on it? And why was this, I guess, the project that you wanted to jump right into after you had the Oscar in your hand? Yeah, this was, um, this was, the script was written eight years ago and over one summer. And um, it, it took this sort of long, circuitous journey to get made. Um, it, we sort of came out of the gate strong and it was going to happen very quickly and then things fell apart as they often do in Hollywood and uh, then it went to a different studio with different directors attached and then those fell apart and eventually you know the, the script got back into our hands you know three years ago and that was when we decided to direct it and in the meantime you know sort of during that whole period it did open a lot of doors for us and, and one of which was um, Alexander Payne and uh, the producer of The Descendants, and it, this script sort of got us the job for The Descendants. So we ended up writing and adapting that novel, and then obviously the accolades and attention that came from The Descendants sort of helped give us some momentum to come back to this script. And that was, you know, when we decided to direct it ourselves. And I think, you know, we just, this is sort of our baby. It was the first thing that we've ever written. Um, in terms of a screenplay and you know it'd been so many ups and downs that you you go you grow so much closer to the material and to really wanting to do it and and I think we were motivated and, and bullish about finally just deciding to do it ourselves you know you hear there are so many great directors that were uh, you know on board and and they sort of give glimpses of what their vision for the movie is and obviously sometimes that's not always going to match up with your vision and so I think 
you know, the benefit of the descendants obviously was many things, but one of was really giving us a little currency to, to spend trying to get this done. For a first film that you've directed, actually for any film, I mean, it has an amazing cast. As, as everyone saw in the trailer, it uh, has Sam Rockwell, Steve Carell, Alice and Janney, and everyone else. But at the heart of it, you know, the story rests on the shoulders of a teenager. And I'm curious what you were looking for when you cast Liam, and what did he show you that, I guess, gave you confidence that this was your guy? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, uh, Liam came in, um, we didn't do like a huge casting, you know, search mall of America looking for this fresh face. We lucked out and Liam came in, uh, came in via Vancouver, came down to Los Angeles. And, and I think the minute he sort of walked in the room, you know, we sort of sat up because there was something about Liam that, that connected with us, with Duncan, who in our minds was, and this was, uh, it, he's obviously this sort of introverted child who's uh, in the film is sort of stuck in this place limbo where his parents are sort of in flux with themselves. So he's sort of on his own. And Liam came in and sort of uh, physically and just embodied the idea behind him. And then of course, when he read and we subsequently read with Tony, we sort of just knew right away because there's an effortless and an, uh, uh, there's something effortless in him and something natural and real. And often, you know, uh, people are, you know, are playing, uh, actors play older and younger and are very uh, great at that. But then sometimes you have someone who's exactly in this place. You know, I think you were 15, yes, at the time of shooting. and. There's nothing you can get more true than that. And he's, he's a wonderfully understated uh, performer. And he doesn't speak much in the first f parts of the film as designed, because he's sort of the voyeur watching everything. And so you need someone. And Tony's a wonderful actress at this, too, because she's the same way. She's also a fish out of water in this movie. And they really are our eyes into this world. And so they communicate a lot by doing very little. And so to see that journey of him was exactly what we we wanted in, in Duncan. Did you feel or kind of realize that you had kind of nailed it or did you kind of leave your audition uh, up in the air? What was your first impression? Oh, yeah, why did it take so long to call? <laughs> well, we wanted you to sweat it out. That's just our process. <laughs> yeah, we knew as soon as you walked in, but then we just wanted to wait a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, f for me, uh, I think I can honestly say it was the most fun I'd ever had in an audition because as soon as I walked in and I felt this throughout the course of the filming of the whole film, but they just, everyone was having a good time and laughing, and, it's, and I think it's a little bit uh, encouraging when people are laughing and having a good time. So, and then they asked me to come back and read with Tony 45 minutes later, so they gave me some new stuff, and I, and I was excited to do it, and I was determined, and I, I, I came back in, and, and we did it, and she was so lovely, and I don't know, I just had a good time in there. Um, I think one of the great things about the script is that every character is so developed. Uh, there's no one-dimensional characters, and you play Susanna, who's quite literally the girl next door, but she has her own story. Um, uh, her family is not, is not completely normal either. Um, tell me a little bit about Susanna and, and kind of what you saw in that character that you really wanted to kind of get into. Well, I remember 
meeting with Nat and Jim, I don't know how many years, it was like yeah. three years yeah, ago. Yeah, we met early actually before we actually got to the round of making it. We yeah. met with Anna Sophia early. And I, it was one of the best scripts I, I had ever read. And, um, and that was one, I was just so amazed how all the characters were so developed and so well-rounded and um, relatable, but at the same time very unique and um, and just it was just yummy. It like felt good after reading it and closing it, being like, "Oh, that was awesome! I want to be a part of this." And um, and Susanna is, you know, she is the girl next door, but at the same time, she's not just that chick that you meet that one summer. She has, you know, it's it's this place she's gone to her entire life with her whole family, and and now her dad's out of the picture. So it's this familiar place, yet it feels all wrong. And, and that's sort of where she is at this point in her life, where she's at a crossroads, the same with, with Duncan. And they're, they're in that same, that, that same age range, that same place where they're both kind of awkward and trying to figure out what they want and how they're gonna relate to their parents and what, and this is a big summer for them, whether they realize it or not. And, um, and I just remember sitting down with Nat and Jim and being so happy. Um, just to meet and talk with them and 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 shoot shoot the nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we did. We did shoot the something. Shoot the something. Yeah, that's our technique. And uh, we sit down and say, "Let's shoot the something." <laughs> shoot <Yeah>. something. <laughs> and um, I remember I was waiting and I kept calling my agents, being like, "So what's going on with the script?" Da, 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 da. I'm in school. I did some other work in between, and then I got the call. And when I heard all the actors attached. I was, my jaw literally dropped. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, and I know Allison, because you guys were talking about um, her, and, and then we shot it, and it's been so nice being able to promote it all together. I'm actually kind of sad <laughs> it's ending, because <laughs> I, I love our, I love them. <laughs> we have a video clip, uh, which is of an early scene, and this is after the car ride, and... Um, Steve, Tony, and Liam have arrived at the beach house, and um, we get to meet Allison Janney, who plays your mother, and uh, she has a master's degree in TMI. So, um, can we run that clip? <laughs> Susanna, Trent's here. This is his new girlfriend, Pam. Hi, Susanna. Say hi. Hi. Yeah, but you know what? Don't come down. Just stand there brooding. Oh, you brought me a man. How thoughtful. Hello, sailor. Well, who is this in all his awkward stage glory? This is my son, Duncan. Everybody lends a hand. Oh, my God. I was going to name my youngest Duncan, but my ex-husband thought it was too nerdy, so we went with Peter, which personally I think is worse, but it suits my son, so. Oh, don't worry. You wear the name well. Um, you wrote that for Alice and Janney, correct? Yeah, we wrote it with pretty much her in mind. We knew her through social circles, and, and you know, uh, Betty, uh, uh, Allison's character, is sort of inspired by those um, Christmas cards that you get every year that people will, a family will photocopy and sort of type up all the things that have happened to you every year, and they'll include photos, and they'll be like, you know, Uncle Phil got a promotion, and, and Jack is thinking about trying out for track, you know, and, <laughs> and so we had a friend... It's I, always about track. It's always about track. I, it's first thing that comes to my say, head. But I hope Jack makes track. You uh, didn't say baton this time. Yeah. 
that's true. Uh, but uh, we had a friend who got a really negative one. Like the family was just going to say, you know what, we're just going to tell you our year was, was a challenge. Some really bad stuff happened. Hope you had a great year. Happy holidays. You know. And so we love that unfiltered idea. And that's pretty much what Betty represents because... If, in the full scene, the full scene is five pages long in the sense that it's a monologue for Betty. That's just the little middle chunk or part of the middle. It's her for five pages giving them an update of everything that's happening, like a whirlwind or a tornado. And so Allison's fantastic at that, you know. I mean, like a skilled, I mean, West Wing probably prepared her for anything like this, you know. And, and uh, so, yes, we, we knew Allison was the right person. We've seen a little bit in the trailer, and we also saw it there. Uh, Steve Carell, who is, uh, he has a reputation of being the nicest man in Hollywood, and from what I can tell, he's in the top ten. He's not a nice guy in this movie. And uh, on the other side, you have Sam Rockwell, uh, who's done all different types of stuff in Hollywood, but he's probably never played, or he's never, at, uh, I guess, embraced this type of character to the extent that he does here, where he is you know, just so lovable and funny. Um, how did you decide that these casting choices worked for this film? Because in a different universe, you probably could have swapped them. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked a lot early on when we were thinking about trends about um, casting someone against type and casting someone that had the charm and likability um, because you needed to understand why Tony, Pam Collette's character, is attracted to Trent and why his friends like to party with him and hang out all summer and drink. And um, you just didn't want somebody that was just a demon, but somebody that was a little bit more multi-dimensional and, and had those qualities that we needed. And, and uh, Steve really embodies that. You know, I mean, he's, he is obviously a very charming, likable guy. And yet can play you know, that passive-aggressive tone incredibly well. And it's, it is a complicated character. It's a, it's a tragic you know, um, guy who is stuck in this vicious cycle who he can't get out of, you know? and he, he, he doesn't evolve you know, really at all in the movie. And it takes uh, a certain actor, I think, to have the courage to jump into a role like that where you're not starting here and ending there and you've learned your lesson and you know, you're a different person. And this character doesn't do that. And I think Steve um, had the courage to, to jump into something like that. And so we were obviously super excited. And then with Sam, you know, he, he's, once you get to know him, he sort of embodies a lot of what Owen has in terms of his warmth and his caring spirit and this charisma. And, you know, he does play a lot of sort of seedier characters, but... It's surprising he doesn't do more of this because he's so naturally almost... There's a lot of Owen, I think, in Sam in a way. And uh, I think it just shows his range, obviously, and his his talent that he can kind of disappear in everything that he does. But, um, you know, our template was sort of Bill Murray from Meatballs. And he we had that sort of when we were writing. And then when we first talked to him, he at, right out of the gate said that to us, you know. And so I think we sort of knew from the moment, you know, right from the start that we were on the same page, so. Now, the two of you have been working together all the way back to your Groundlings days. Uh, this was the first time you directed. So um, I guess my question here is for Anna-Sophia and Liam. Uh, which one of these guys was the Trent on the set and which one was Owen to you guys on the set? Be careful. Be careful. 
Uh, Jim, I'm sorry. You're Trent. Yeah. But you guys originally wrote it that way, right? That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I was going to play Trent for a little while. Between the two of us. Who is this? Well, obviously. Like, I'm the fun guy, so just say my name. They're both very immature, so I think think they're both kind of (laughs) Owen and and they're both Trent because they're both such jerks. I mean, immature jerks is all they are. So in a way, yes, we're a blend, I guess. So they challenged you to, to actually, you know, to like go and put yourself out there and it paid off in the end is what you're trying to say about them as yeah. directors. What I'm saying is that... They uh, ignored us, that basically. The, the scenes where I had to be upset in the film were very easy and the scenes where I had to be happy were very challenging. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, well, I did want to ask because your char- you have to really embrace your inner awkwardness to play Duncan. Um, there are a bunch of scenes uh, where you get to showcase your dancing skills. My odor awkwardness. <laughs> was there a certain scene that, that kind of kept you up nights, kind of leading into it, that you just, I guess, wanted to get over with as soon as possible? Well, the dancing scene was definitely one that I still haven't got over. When I, when I saw <laughs> this, the, this, the film for the first time, I was like down here in my chair and nobody could see me. And cause, but I, I, did, I kind of forgot about that I had to do that. And, and so when I got to set that day and I realized that's what we were filming, I, 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 I went up to Nat and Jim. I was like, all right, so uh, where, where are my moves so I don't look like a fool? And, and they, they said, uh, you, you have no, we're not giving you anything, Liam. You're going you're gonna to go up there by yourself and we're, we're all going to laugh at you. Yeah, show behind, us your moves. They yeah, ignored so, us, you know. So uh, I think, but that's just who Duncan is in the, in the first place. So I think m- my my best moves were were Duncan's moves as well, I guess. And that's why it worked so well because they were just horrible, horrible yeah. moves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have a second clip, and this is um, after Duncan kind of finds a place where he feels a lot more comfortable, and that's at the water park, uh, which is called Water Whiz, and um, this is a scene. Uh, with Sam Rockwall, Liam, and Jim, and uh, let's take a look. No, I know I keep asking you, but when are we getting new employee T-shirts? Two years from uh, yesterday. No, all joking aside, and this makes me self-conscious about my body. It's not a place that I want to <laughs> disappoint me, kid. You're late. Plan on making a habit of this. What? You're fired. But I just. You make a valid point. Welcome back. It's benefits. You waste an exorbitant amount of time. You know that? Suit up. You don't look too pumped. Come on, let's get pumped. This is the place where dreams are made or destroyed. Depends on how you feel about working at a water park. Um, we have a situation over at Harpoon Lagoon. Is it a homicide? Yeah, it's a homicide. I knew this day would come. I'm gonna stay here, in the booth no one comes to. Let's talk about that mustache. Yeah, you are welcome for that mustache, by the way. That You're was welcome my next for that question. Whole, that whole look. Yeah. Now, was that all you? That was all me. I grew Nat before uh, we were leaving. Uh, we saw, shot in the South Shore of Boston before we left. Uh, Nat said you need to start growing out the hair that you can everywhere. So I, I don't know how many months I had before we started shooting, but I went for it, and that's about all I could muster. But then when we got into the makeup trailer, we decided to just slowly like, shave away to decide what it was going to be. We went to like, goatee, to like, handlebar, and then we went to sort of that non-choice. 
where it's it's really got no identity. It's just I think I guess it's just ugly. <laughs> what, sir, what would you like to have shaved on your face? Oh, give me the ugly stash. <laughs> How did you decide? It'll be like Jennifer Aniston. I have a feeling that's going to catch on. <laughs> How did you do, kind of decide to cast yourselves in these films? And, and what was like the, the, I guess, the happy medium for too much or too little Lewis and Roddy? Well, we're selfish and vain. Yeah. Uh, so that probably was the first thing. And then... Yeah, but my vanity is really effed up. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't go for it. <laughs> Make myself look good. No, I think we... Um, you know, we sort of got into writing in the first place uh, out of... Um, a sort of frustration as actors about in terms writing of writing together. We've been writing at Groundlings for a yes, long time. Yes, yes. I, I mean professionally, I guess, in terms of the first thing we ever did was a TV script. And um, we did that over uh, again one summer, mostly because we were frustrated as actors about the parts that we were getting to audition for. And we started out as actors. Um, and we still are actors. And so I think... Well, were you getting cast at a lot? I'm just curious. Like, you were frustrated with get playing what? I was just frustrated because I was playing a lot of like the um, like the lead man, kind of like the right, eye candy right. guy, oh, you know. Okay. Yeah. That's weird because I like, get a lot of action hero. Oh, really? Yeah, I get a lot of action hero. And I'm like, so it was so great that you played Nebish in this. No, I, it was a stretch. Yeah. And I've always wanted to be a nerd, <laughs> and um, finally we could just put some words in my mouth that that tapped into something that was deep yeah. in there that I have not been able to to access. Yeah, I usually in my own it was, life. I was I was on um, I did a few like. Uh, pilots for NBC that was just like I, where I played a very handsome dentist. <laughs> and Boy, this every <laughs> show was Sorry. the same. Yeah. Some network was like, we really got to get a dentist sitcom going. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I never totally understood it. But uh, anyway, so we back to the question. Back to the question. Yes, we um, we felt like you know when we were writing this, you know, it'd be fun to play parts in it. And at the time, we didn't know we would direct this movie. And and then when we finally decided to direct it seemed okay to sort of take on these roles because they were they were not huge parts and we had a lot on our plate and responsibility and so um somehow jim's part kept kind of getting bigger and so that was a discussion we had a lot of um but we worked it out (laughs) we worked it out now there have been films um that are similar to this in some ways that take place on golf courses or, or or summer camps but as you mentioned you guys, had, I guess, were kind of nostalgic for water parks. Um, well, what is it about water parks? And is this, I mean, like, was that kind of like a summer thing for you guys? Yeah, well, you know, I just remember going to, uh, you know, I, like going to North Carolina and going to the coast, you see a, a bevy of them. Now, this was back then, and they were more old school, like, you know, not connected maybe to amusement parks along the road and, and very simple. And this, the one we shot at WaterWiz, which is the actual name of it, uh, is a family owned and sort of run very old school and, and it's just a, a, a you know very popular there and for me I remember it, it at that time it felt like the parents were very comfortable just dropping us off and spending a day there you know because and pretty much everyone who runs those places or not runs it but the people working the slides are usually maybe two years older than you it's mostly teens you know in charge of your safety but there was an independence to those places. And there's such a unique world in the sense that the beach is not far. The beach is here, and they would be on the other side of the street. And it really felt like it was such an interesting uh, world, you know, that, uh, but, it, but so we just wanted to tap into that. And they're fun. It's, I mean, they're a blast. We've been going around the country trying to 
you know, promote the movie, and we've done a couple of stunt kind of things at Watermark. Literal stunts. And, and they, and yeah. I still like, I love going down the rides. I mean, it, they're a bl- it's a blast. And that's even after spending weeks or months at a water park. You, I mean, like, yes. it hasn't tainted the fun. No, because we never really got I mean, to ride anything. We were just yeah, sort we of were burning so up in the heat, out. watching everyone have fun as we're yeah. stressing. Yeah. <laughs> to no end, going like, well, I would like to enjoy this place. Jim's also not unlike uh, Lewis in that he's a bit of a germaphobe. So he also freaks out at water parks. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? You know? <laughs> just going to the bathroom. My toes curl to, when I go tr- into the bathroom. You had to travel sure. several miles to go to the bathroom. No, I didn't. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, like, Jim, I have to ask the, the uh, stepfather who um, told you you were a three, uh, is he aware of the success and is, is he aware of this film? Uh, well, I uh, I don't know. I mean, he was my stepfather from like around the Duncan age through mm-hmm. uh, high school years, uh, and I should say that this is a, a much for the movie version of uh, launching just from that discussion because I don't think it, he inherently wasn't a bad guy. He had three kids of his own. The idea was, I think I understood the message. And the weird thing about in the movie is that you Trent gives this message thinking this is really valuable, you know, because that's just the way he was raised. And Duncan's raised differently, but Duncan, in a weird way, goes kicking and screaming into a version of what he's telling him to do, you know, uh, by discovering this water park. So, I don't, you know, I, 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 I shouldn't, we don't want to demonize him either, but I, I, I assume he might be aware. Okay. I don't know. We're going to look at one last clip. Uh, this is um, at the water park, and Liam has has kind of found his home there, and. Uh, one day he's talking to Susanna, and um, Sam Rockwell and Nat are looking from afar. Does your mom know you work here? No. Oh. Nice. Please report to the Administrative Office of International. Duncan, please report to the Administrative Office of International. I have to announce this over the PA. As my voice won't carry that far, my throat suffered major damages during an intense makeout session with Lewis's mom. She has a forked tongue and a touch of the herpes. I don't have a mom, I have two dads, in your face. Hurry, hurry. Please, hurry up. This is pressing, pressing, urgent, urgent. I can't tell you how pressing, you can't fathom how pressing. How's it going? What's up, did you need something? No. (laughs) Who's that big guy? I don't know, she's older than me. So what are you doing over here talking to us and not over there sealing the deal with that cougar? Well, maybe, Roddy, if you guys hadn't called me over here. Oh! <laughs> return to your lady friend. Duncan, please return to your lady friend. Please let her know that this conversation was entirely about her. In other news, this is very awkward for you. At this point, we'd like to open the floor to some questions. Uh, there are going to be some microphones on the left and right. Hi. Um, who was the hottest actor to work with on set? The hardest? Yeah. And why? <sighs> I would say Jim. Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't direct myself. I was terrible. <laughs> I gave myself attitude. I don't think we had really anyone hard to no. work with at all, you know? We, we got blessed, truly. I, I know this, yeah, this is sounds not... like everybody's great, yeah, and they were great. all awesome, but it, it is true. We, we, as first-time directors, really... Uh, knew that we didn't have the time uh, nor probably the personalities to deal with really difficult people 
And so when we were thinking about who could be in this movie, we, we did seriously think about not only people that we loved and respected and admired, but also that we had heard were really good people and nice people and collaborative. And, um, and so, you know, anytime we talked about names or something and we heard somebody say, oh, I've heard they were difficult on this movie, then we would sort of say, okay, then we, we're, we don't want to cons- consider them at all. <laughs> so we, um, we just tried to stick with, you know, people that were nice. <laughs> Hi, my name is Evan, and this question is for Anne Sophia Robb. For Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Bridget Terabithia, what were Johnny Depp, Freddie Highmore, and Josh Hutcherson like from your point of view? <laughs> 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 they were great to work with, and I'm not just saying that, but they're all really wonderful people. Yeah, I've been really blessed again. I've worked with amazing people, and this has been not excluding this movie. Had so much fun. Who would you say did you like better, them or us, though? This is real. Are you gonna put me in this place right well, now? Well, it just feels like we are insecure enough. That yeah. You we need guys, to know. <laughs> thank you. There you thank go. you. Good. No. Good. Okay, guys, let it be known. Good. Okay. Good. So you said that when you were growing up, it was awkward and you, you know, didn't quite fit in and you didn't have your niche. Um, I kind of went through that phase, too, and I wanted to know, what did it take for you to find your niche? That's a good question. I don't, you know, um, I think at the time of having that conversation, I probably was a little shyer. And that was the, the, and he was mentioning because it was the first time we had actually gone to that lake area and this was our second year. So he was sort of commenting on a year that I really was like Duncan, sort of a fish out of water. I, don't, I can't probably mark the, the moment that I think for me personally that uh, I, I found, I guess, my voice or... or if when, you you met, when you met me? Maybe. It might have been when I met this, this angel to my <laughs> right. This just I'm to your left, angel. Oh no no no! Fine. I'm talking about oh. I'm talking about Leon. Oh, you. Um, but thank you, kind sir, whoever you are. Um, no, you know I I like to pinpoint one thing, but I think it was a journey from for many years for me, and not not in a bad way. And this is oh I was here, but I I feel like when I just found my confidence in my own voice and just sort of trusted that I didn't need other people, the people that that. I felt were negative towards me or that are in our lives, I was like, I don't know why I'm giving them so much attention. You know, in other words, I just tried to surround myself with the people that were positive towards me and, and uh, ignored the others. Hello, uh, I'm a I'm cinematographer myself. Uh, I just wanted to know, you guys come from acting and this is your first directing movie. Uh, how much do you rely on uh, DP for the visuals? Just like, uh, as much, how far you go to uh, take the decisions for for how for far D- we, oh, for, for our decisions? DP talking. Yeah. We had, we uh, had uh, yeah, go ahead. We had, uh, you know, at, again, as first time directors, we it was very important for us to surround ourselves with very experienced people in terms of our crew, and we wanted that sort of safety net in a sense because having never done this before, we you know. We were inexperienced and green, and so you know, we uh, worked with John Bailey on this, who was this legendary DP who's done a, a, a laundry incredible list of incredible list movies of, of films, and you know, I think we had a lot of discussions with him about the sort of feel that we were looking for in the movie, and so we may not have been able to exactly you know pinpoint 
where we wanted the camera in particular scenes, but we would sort of have lengthy discussions about what we wanted the scene to feel like and what we wanted, you know, maybe Duncan to be feeling in this particular moment, you know, and, and certainly um, in the house we wanted in the, the first part of this movie takes place in a, a beach house and we wanted it to feel sort of, we wanted Duncan to feel isolated and that sort of claustrophobic. And so maybe, you know, we talked about shooting maybe with a lower angle so you could feel the ceilings and really get that sense of like it was a tight area. And then, you know, when we moved to the water park later in the movie, we wanted to open it up and um, to feel the brightness and the fun. And so we did a lot of steady cam. So there was movement and a little bit more um, energy. And so, you know, we would just have long conversations about the sort of the feeling of every scene. And, and certainly we were, this whole movie takes place through Duncan, the character of Duncan's eyes. And so we were the, you know, the audience is the observer almost. And so we did a lot of things where we were sort of peeking in on what was happening, you know, in the next room and that, that kind of thing. So it, it was, it, we certainly talked a lot and with John about how to sort of best get those emotions across. Hi. Um, <clears throat> and this movie, Duncan actually meets the Owen and then change the perspective of, of their life. Uh, I was curious that all, those, all, all of you guys, uh, do you have like a similar experience by meeting those actually people changing the perspective of your life? Particularly, uh, I want you to talk about like a, hopefully like a entertainment people that you know of or uh, you met would be probably easy to understand for the other actually audience as well, so. So sort of like a, a mentor of our own. Yeah, a mentor like Owen, you know, growing up, no, I wish I had <laughs> that type of person uh, as a guidepost for, for that. I think, you know, for him, we were launching off what the aesthetic felt to us with like the Bill Murray and, and Meatballs type thing. Um, but uh, no, I don't. I didn't have. Uh, again, that might. I might be yours in this yeah. case. Yeah. Right you know. now you are. Okay, I'm your mentor. Uh, yeah. Growing up, I did have an older cousin that was about four years older than I was, and um, certainly I remember making the transition. You know, from boy cousin who played, you know, in the sand to uh, like cool enough that I could hang with him and you know go to parties and. Uh, you know, surround myself with his friends and be a part more of his group. And that certainly, I remember that making that transition and feeling like, you know, I was cooler and older all of a sudden. Um, and he was very nurturing in that, in that sense, I think, in terms of sort of guiding me. So um, I guess I would say him, you know, as an early influence in my life. I still feel like I'm growing up, <laughs> and I am. <laughs> um, but I definitely say, I, I think of kind of this experience on the film as, and kind of the whole cast, I mean, that's very broad, but it was my first movie without my parents, and so I was all just by myself sort of there, not, not doing homework in between takes, and so I felt like I... I kind of relied more on, on the cast and the crew as like my family and so I would come to work early <laughs> and hang out in the living room. <laughs> we all lived in one big beach house. Our, our dressing rooms were in a beach house and so I would wait around for Allison or Tony or Rob Corddry and come and sit at Video yes. Village mm -hmm. and like watch you guys direct. They're 
it's really fun to watch you guys do your thing. Is that a dog? Yeah. I love New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. So we were your rite of passage. You were my you rite are of welcome. passage. Yeah, thank you. I, I definitely have to agree with Ana Sophia on, on this one. Beca- Although there's been lots of people in my life who, who have been great influences for me, but going for me, I was going to this whole new place, and of course my family come, were with me, and they, they visited. My, my dad and my brother visited me, and my mom was with me the whole time, but I was 15 years old, and this was my first time on the east coast of the continent, and, and I, I went to this whole new place, and I was so lucky that they had decided that they wanted good people and nice people, and that they were nice people themselves to from an acting standpoint that I, I learned so much and as well as just it was definitely one of the best summers of my entire life so I, I really have to thank him for that I think that's a great note to finish on uh, the film is the way way back it's in theaters July 5th thank you for coming and yes thank you yeah thank, thank you, you all for, for being thank here you. thank you thanks Apple <laughs> <laughs>